This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to Bay Area Ventures on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again, Doug Collum. Welcome back, everybody. We are back. This is SiriusXM's Bay Area Ventures, broadcasting to you live from the Wharton San Francisco campus on a sunny day. So it's a remarkable event. I'm your host, Doug Collum. For those people who are just tuning in uh, and don't know us, the show is about entrepreneurship and startups and venture capital, principally focused on companies here in the San Francisco Bay Area. So to jump right into it, I'm joined now in the studio by Kim Wilford, um, who's um, an executive at GoFundMe, which is one of the world's leading social fundraising platforms. And we'll get into that. But maybe, Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to have you here. We just, Kim and I just had a conversation about uh, the joy of parking in a crowded (laughs) city. Um, So, Kim, tell us about GoFundMe. What is it? It's awesome. It's it's the greatest um, place to work. And it is, as you said, the largest social fundraising platform in the world. Is it the largest? It is the largest social fundraising platform to my knowledge. Okay, good. And And what does that mean exactly for people? I mean, there are people who may be listening who really don't know what a fundraising platform does. So start with the basics. So what we do is we try to take people and give them the tools and uh, internet platform so that they can reach their social networks to fundraise for common causes. So at the basic level, that's what crowdfunding is. It's many people coming together to raise money for a common cause, usually on an internet platform. And at GoFundMe, we're different than the other platforms that are out there in the sense that social fundraising is our core business. It is our mission. So our CEO, Rob Solomon, is often quoted as stating that GoFundMe wants to be the giving layer of the internet. And we go to great lengths to make sure that that's the trusted giving layer of the internet. So, so maybe just to elaborate on that a little bit, what, what are some of the projects that people put on the platform for fundraising purposes? Oh, I mean, gosh. Just, <laughs> I mean, just, just give me, I mean, a kind of a yeah. high-level view. What does that mean if I, have a, if I want to fundraise? Um, yeah. So, so people fundraise for everything, for emergencies, for events, for causes. What we saw starting in 2018 was a lot more people not just using the platform for medical, memorial, and emergency issues, but really using the platform to turn moments into movements. An example of this is the Parkland shootings, right? We had a number of campaigns go up the minute that horrific tragedy occurred. And then you saw these, these younger generation taking the, the social networks and platforms and the tools they have today and combining them with wanting to do marches and protests. So within a few weeks, they were able to raise close to $3 million to set up the March for Their Lives movement that went out in Washington, D.C. after that against gun violence. Mm-hmm. So that was one example. We the, Just this year, you had the, the furloughed workers. There were over 4,000 campaigns put up in short order to support the government workers. And then we have a whole series, a whole group of people who do nothing but fundraise um, for you know, the, the greater good of just helping people. We call this our Heroes series. We have kid heroes, we have adult heroes, but we have that very positive aspect too. Um, there's a young girl, Ruby Kate, who she's a young girl in Arkansas who has now gone out and fundraised for um, people in nursing homes to make sure that they have clothes that fit or that they're able to get their pets to come visit them or well, that they can just a have a of, snack. It covers all kinds of, of things, right? Waterfront. That's the... The thing with GoFundMe is we are an open platform. We, we try to encourage everyone to think about using it for fundraising for all issues, anything that they care about. So, so just, just to clarify, I want to turn the conversation to you here yeah. in just a second. But just to clarify, I mean, up until I, I crossed paths with GoFundMe, you know, the crowdfunding platforms that I know about, like Indiegogo or AngelList or Lending Club, mm-hmm. y- you know, you give something and get something. Yeah. So in... So if it's AngelList, you know, I put money into a uh, onto the platform and I get shares of stock of the company back. Correct. GoFundMe is different. It's there's it's a it's a donation. Yeah, that's it's correct. a donation. There's a, the, the donors are not getting something back other than a sense that they're doing good or doing they're, they're trying to solve the problem that's being posted on the on the platform. 
That's correct. So GoFundMe is different in the sense that those, those that you mentioned, there are a number of other crowdfunding platforms. A lot of them. I that know. are that are more business focused, and yeah. like you said, that you get a share in an investment, or you may get the ticket to the theater production yeah. that you helped sponsor. Yeah. Um, then there are other platforms like GoFundMe that are donation based, and even some of those, like Indiegogo and other ones, right. are different in the parameters that they put around fundraising. On GoFundMe you can raise your limit during your campaign. So if you reach your goal, you can raise your goal without issue. Some of the other platforms don't allow that. In the case of GoFundMe, if you don't hit your goal, you can still withdraw your funds. That's also something so that's- So it's very dynamic. It, it is very dynamic. It's also, it's very transparent. So to your point that you donate and you just feel good about it. We also encourage our campaign o organizers to post updates mm -hmm. about what they're doing with your donations. This young woman I mentioned earlier, Ruby Kate, her original raise was to get a couple hundred thousand dollars for people in this nursing home in Arkansas. But then she and her mother have continued to push this campaign and expand this campaign and give updates to people that, yes, we solved this immediate problem, and now what we've done is we're continuing to raising money, and here's what we're doing. We're bringing people additional snacks. We're doing getting haircuts for everybody at the oh, really? home. Yeah. So, so our, the platform itself really encourages transparency for the campaign organizers, the donors, and the beneficiaries. Oh, I get it. Okay, that helps me understand. So now I'm going to turn the conversation to you, Kim. Okay. I mean, so um, I guess I would start. Your role in the company, you're not a CEO, you're not a founder, you are I'm gen the general counsel, general yeah. counsel, but you also have a business development responsibility as well. Correct. Um, so this is where my so we're lawyers together. We're, my training is in law as well. But let me my concept of a lawyer is kind of the sheriff in town. You're yeah. coming in. You're you're you know you're compliance oriented. You're trying to lay track in front of the CFO. You're trying to keep the sales organization on task. You're trying to make sure that your PR people don't go out of bounds when they're talking outside the company and so forth. So is that your, is that, how do you see your role as general counsel? And then I want to shift and ask you the same question as it relates to business development. So as the general counsel, I see myself as more of an operations partner. So I don't view my role as the person who says no. I view my role as... So when you walk into a room, the room doesn't suddenly quiet. <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, somebody just last week said, aren't you supposed to be saying no? Because I'm really trying to understand what is it that they're trying to accomplish. And I think if in law firm life, so the first six years of my career was spent in law firms. And you're right, you are the sheriff in town, you are saying no, you are throwing up all kinds of roadblocks. But the last 20 years has been in different corporations and environments where I was able to wear a much larger hat than just being the sheriff in town and having the opportunity to work on different operational initiatives in the company, whether they Which be, are not legal, per they're, se. They're not legal, no, but there are always legal components. For example, international expansion. If you're looking to open a new office, what are going to be the legal rules and regulations around that? What, mm -hmm. what do you have to be aware of? And I think your executive team looks to the general counsel to say that, yes, it's great. We really want to open our office in Germany, for example. But we have to be aware that there might be payment regulations, payment services regulations that we may run afoul of. We need to understand those. We need to understand employment laws are going to differ in Europe. We need to understand data privacy differences. So you cover a lot of ground wearing just your hat as Correct. counsel. Yeah, and I, I would be bored if I didn't have the opportunity to do yeah. that. That's one reason it's kind I, of a I license, just love it. It's kind of a license to, <laughs> to roam the hallways. It is, and get involved in everything, right? <laughs> and so it's, it is. It's, it's great. And also be with it at GoFundMe. I'm, I'm so blessed with the management team and the rest of the employees because the even though we are a global organization and the largest social fundraising platform in the world we only have 300 employees worldwide so it's it's actually a rather small company and people are all inspired to do the right thing right that's they're all everyone comes together not just with the uh, academic and practical experience that they may need for their roles but also this passion to do good. So it's the first organization, for example, in a sales capacity that you go in, you give them advice, and they listen. 
they actually are excited oh about my it. God. <laughs> I know. Um, and and while we don't do that, that's our crowd rise side of the business. So there aren't very many contracts in the day to day GoFundMe side of the business. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's refreshing. And really so, refreshing. and sh- same question now on business development because it sounds like really what you're doing is morphing into business development yeah. as well. I Correct. mean, almost like there's just there's no bright line segregating the two responsibilities. That's correct. And um, I think, again, that's that's common in a smaller company where you have a small executive team. Mm-hmm. And in our case, we're still, you know, we've had exceptional growth since the company came into existence. Growth in headcount of the company? You growth mean? in market share, right? Oh. Growth, in, growth in the gross donation volume that in we have all on the, the important platform. metrics. Yeah. Um, in headcount too, but the... That the company, as it grows, we were always looking, and this is something I do in the business development capacity, look for additional markets that we can expand in, right? It's sort of, it's exactly what they did in when they did the CrowdRise acquisition. Rather than build a new platform, they decided to buy a platform that existed that allowed them to bring social fundraising to the nonprofit space, which traditionally has sold tickets to pancake breakfasts, actual tickets rather than doing yeah, it yeah. online, yeah. right? So this, this platform also is used for the endurance charity events that you hear about, you know, raising funds, people competing to raise funds for the Boston Marathon, or if you want to do it for an Ironman. So, but that the company decided they wanted to get into the nonprofit space in 2017. And so they did. And we're, we're always looking for uh, strategic partnerships we can do with other um, social networks. So, so before I, we will come back to okay. GoFundMe for sure, but I want to <laughs> talk, I don't want to let you off the hook. So <laughs> So before you found GoFundMe, how long have you been at GoFundMe? Only seven months. So you're relatively very new. So our previous guest had, was a CEO who had been on board only for two months. But, okay. But seven months, you're a veteran. I mean, that makes you I t- feel... eminently qualified to talk about yes. all aspects of the organization. <laughs> but we're, so give me a sense of where you came from beforehand. So I was, I spent the prior 10 plus years at a company called Wageworks that was venture backed when I joined and we took it public. And then I was there about five years after it was public. And prior to that, I was at KLA Tencore, which is a semiconductor company in the Valley that I was there for seven and a half years. And prior to that, it was law firm life. So huh. it was so. That's a substantial experience. Are you yeah. from the Bay Area? No, I'm, I'm actually from Southern California, but I. Which is a different plan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, feels that way sometimes. But um, no, I came up here when I went to law school and I really liked the dynamic nature of the Bay Area and the opportunities that were here. And I wasn't very happy in law firm life. And so moving in-house was just the, a, a the natural, right move. A natural yeah. evolution. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, what brought you to GoFundMe? Well, I think, well, I know, um, a couple of years ago. So I had been at my prior job for about eight years and was a little bit bored and, frankly, a little bit comfortable. Right? Yeah. These, the learning curve starts to it flatten. It does, yeah. right? And the company... The, the management team was the same. The The industry was changing a little bit, but not as aggressively as it had. I yeah, had a yeah. really great team, and I, yeah, I was just a little bored. So one of the things I had tried to do over the years was start a social responsibility committee within the company, and I finally had that opportunity to do it. And when I did that, I realized how much more that excited me than day-to-day legal work or biz dev work or the corporate work. So, so what this. is social responsibility in a corporate context? I mean, I, I'm asking that. I don't know. Oh, the okay. So a, a lot of really large um, companies, certainly in the Valley here, have corporate social responsibility teams where it's, it's getting to volunteer within your company. So what we did is we brought volunteer opportunities to the employees. We would also do, we would fundraise for dollars. We would fundraise for goods. We would, um, have volunteer events. Mm -hmm. So it was just an idea of bringing philanthropy inside, which you see at all the really large companies have this, you know, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Cisco's, all of them have really impressive corporate social responsibility committees. Ours was on a much smaller scale, but I realized how much all the employees wanted this. This is at your previous job. This is at the previous job. But I believe that 
much like our founders of the of GoFundMe, I believe that everybody has this innate desire to help one another. And I really saw it within the employees at my prior company too, that even though we didn't have the big budget that a lot of these other companies have, yeah. we, we made do with what we had and we were able to have a really large impact. So that committee spun up. We ended up with offices and all of the different locations around the country that we had. And it was just very exciting for me in a way that made it clear I needed to move on. Um, and so another woman who happened to work for me became aware of this position at GoFundMe and said, I really think you should apply for this job. It's got your name written all over it. And I had been thinking about going to work at a nonprofit to take the skills that I'd yeah. I'd developed over the years and just give them to to put them to work for the greater good, right? And be inspired day to day, not really by what the profits of the company were going to be, but more about what what was I giving back. Right? So really kind of taking a, an, an interest of yours, which and taking it from an incidental activity to becoming the, the, the principal and primary activity. Correct. But um, GoFundMe is not a non, no. it's not a nonprofit, right? I mean, this is a this it, is a for cash for I mean, it, I don't it's not, it's not a denigration of the business model, but it's a it's not a pro, it's not a charitable enterprise. No, that's that is correct. Um, it is a, a for-profit <laughs> profitable entity. Um, the thing I didn't realize when I joined the company and I don't think a lot of people recognize still is that we have a nonprofit arm. So when I was interviewing, not only would I have the opportunity to provide you know, my skill set to go fund me the for-profit entity, but they have something called the Direct Impact Fund, hmm. which is a 501c3 that they use. We used it in the government shutdown campaign to- So this is where, where GoFundMe actually takes some of its own capital and parks it in a 503 501c3. Not, not always. This is a case where- a lot uh, in the average use case, if I set up my GoFundMe campaign and you donate, there is no tax write-off for you, no charitable oh, deduction. Oh, 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 right, yeah. We have instances in the case of the government shutdown. Our management team, led by our CEO, decided that it was, oh, I see. You know, not palatable on multiple levels to have all these workers without unable to pay for diapers, unable to pay for food, and so he. Um, issued a call to action on a Friday night that he wanted to set up a campaign through our direct impact fund. And what that did was allowed anyone who donated to donate to the general fund to receive the tax write-off. And then we would turn around that entity, turn around and donate to other 501c3s that were helping the furloughed workers. So things, oh, I see. Yeah, things, things like the World Central Kitchen, the um, National Diaper Bank Network, Feeding America – we were able to raise close to half a million dollars in a few weeks just through that entity. Not I get it. So you so, create a structure to enable yeah. the, the the tax deduction of Correct. the people who are making donations. Correct. So for people who are just now joining us, I'm talking with Kim Wilford. She's the general counsel and currently head of business development at GoFundMe, which is the largest world's largest uh, social fundraising platform. So I've learned that much so far. <laughs> so this is great. So um. Give us a short uh, profile of GoFundMe as a company. So we know now it's it's a for-profit organization. It's like any other subchapter C corporation, if you will. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, when was it founded? How many employees are are, are there? Is it venture backed? Uh, wh where are the offices? I mean, just give me some quick, hard-hitting data on, on GoFundMe as a company. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the company was founded in twenty. 2010 yep. by two gentlemen down in San Diego, uh, Andy and Brad. They actually still sit on the board of GoFundMe. They came up with this idea of having an online piggy bank for people who wanted to raise money for common causes. Okay. And so they did that. It was going pretty well. It was one of these, you know, small businesses. And then Hurricane Sandy hit. And when that hit, they raised over a million dollars on the platform very quickly. But the original thesis for the company was philanthropical? Well, was an, yes, an online yeah. piggy bank, yes. Yeah. Um, and so through uh, Hurricane Sandy came about, then the Nepal earthquake came about. And so they started to see that this platform had some ability to be a disaster relief arm for people that could get those who had been harmed. Oh, yeah 
financial help much quicker than you were going to get through insurance or even the government. It could move very quickly. That was assuming that they could vet the campaigns and that they could distribute the funds. And the the business model became more and more complicated as the, the idea of it became more popular. So they themselves understood that in order to scale the company and bring it to the next level, that they needed not only additional capital, but they also needed additional management help. They needed people who More had resources. grown yeah. with the business, yeah. and they needed people who had the experience to grow a business. And so they, they came to the Silicon Valley. They met with the current CEO, Rob Solomon. This was back like in the 2010. 2015. Okay. Oh, so okay. 2015. More yeah. mm-hmm. And at that time, they, the business was founded in San Diego. Um, they met Rob. They liked Rob. And at that point... Um, the company decided to expand and have its executive headquarters be here in Redwood City. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have an, some of the engineering team and finance and HR that also sit in Redwood City, but the majority of the employees are what we call happiness agents. So they sit That's in... a cool company. <laughs> I want to work there. Well, I actually wanted that. <laughs> I wanted that job. And when I was interviewing for my current job, I said that to my boss. If I don't get this role, I want to be a happiness agent. And he looked at me and said, you know, that is so very highly selective. Your chances of getting the GC role <laughs> are, are better. actually better. <laughs> so, And it's true. So um, our happiness agents are primarily in the San Diego office. They make up most of that office along with our trust and safety team. And then now in Dublin, Ireland, we have a number of the majority of the employees there are happiness agencies and make agents and make up that trust. And so I've got to ask, so they walk around with a business card <laughs> that says happiness agents? Well, what does no, the business card well, say? Well, one of, uh, we don't use business cards oh, at, okay. at GoFundMe, but they, my first uh, week or two, I did go down to San Diego and shadow a happiness agent. And yeah. what their job is, is to help the user. We want all of our campaign organizers to understand how to write a compelling story, oh, to understand yeah. how they withdraw funds. Help them optimize yes. on the platform. Yes, because there's a lot of, of people who they just don't understand it. They have a lot of questions. And once they've raised their money, questions about how do I now get my funds? And what happens if I want to change my bank account from what I originally set up in the system? And so the happiness agents work 24-7 to ensure that our campaign organizers are getting all the help they need. I get it. So in 2015, um, I'm sorry, his name is Rob Solomon, Uh came on board as a CEO. And there's kind of, it sounds like there was kind of a, a stage shift in the company at that point, because now you've got a Redwood City presence. You still have a pretty substantial operation in San Diego. Um, so Rob came on board, new management team, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, and then you're you're blasting forward. So, and you've been on board for the last seven months. So mm-hmm. there's the company is still. I mean, I, I don't know whether to characterize it as young or mid stage. I mean, it sounds like it's been around and very effective at, since its formation in 2010. I w- I would agree with that, and I would say we're probably a mid to late stage company. Okay, still. Um, I think venture backed. Venture backed. Yeah. Um, and Rob brought in the along with the venture capitalists, the other people on the management team that he had worked with before. Right. They all had experience in high growth companies. A very cohesive team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And wanted to work together to improve the platform to continue removing any friction for the user. So additional capital for that. Additional capital for expanding internationally, right? And localizing our product uh, around the world. Um, Obviously, every uh, area has its own set of rules and the own cultural behavior that goes with it, right? In some locations, crowdfunding is just something that's so foreign to the culture. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... This is not legal. This is is truly a cultural issue. It's a cultural thing, right? And so... and, and But there are a lot of legal issues expanding internationally too, right? And some... Countries regulate crowdfunding more than other countries. So hang on, before we go mm-hmm. there, I want to I want to finish off the per, the profile of okay. the company. So there are three hundred employees. Three hundred employees. We um, have offices in yeah. Dublin. We have a significant presence in the UK and in Canada. We've recently opened an office in Australia. We have global oh, operations. Wow. We in the last time we released statistics was before our U carrying acquisition and before the CrowdRise acquisition. So this was middle of 2017. At that point, 
over $5 billion had been raised on the platform by over 50 million donors um, from so around the world. So this is not an early stage company. This is <laughs> – well, yes, except when you think of how many people there are in the world, right? And I so, understand. Yes. I'm so, just but saying. It's, no, it's, it's a very sophisticated operation, um, but it has it, – it's constantly evolving as these things do, right? As we add new payment processors, for example, in different jurisdictions, as we look to improve the uh, peer-to-charity fundraising space, right? There's a different set of rules around that and different payment processors we use for that. So, and as every country, like I said, has its own rules around operations, it's, it's a very interesting and dynamic space to be working in. So your learning curve is right back on a, on a steep ramp. Hockey stick, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you can never rest comfortably because every time you break into a new geography, it, it represents a whole new set of questions and issues that need to be addressed. Yes, and, and yeah. even here in the United States, we are always reviewing our terms of service, right? So you can, theoretically, you can fundraise for any cause you care about, but we do have terms of service that make it clear you can't fundraise to buy guns, you can't fundraise to buy drugs. You, you can't fundraise for anything that's harassing, right? And so we have a laundry list of things that you won't be allowed to fundraise for. And we have all kinds of uh, standard operating procedures around the review we do of campaigns that go up on the platform mm-hmm. that seem to run afoul of these rules. So as the, the world develops, we are always looking at those terms of service to make sure we don't need to tweak them in any way. So let me, let me just to kind of lay this out in a slightly different format, pick a use case. You were using the, the woman who was raising uh, 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 money for the, for the senior center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So start with that, which is, I mean, maybe a little bit of a deeper dive. So how did she initiate the, the campaign? She approached GoFundMe. Walk us through that. Okay. So perfect. So I want to know how, I also want to understand how GoFundMe interacts with the donor and with the author of the of the campaign. So the so the author of the campaign we refer to as the campaign organizer. Okay. So in this case, uh, Ruby Kate is only eleven, so her mother is involved as well. Okay. <laughs> so, but she is a remarkable young lady. She is somebody we feature in what we call our Kid Heroes program. So okay. our Heroes program is all about extraordinary people doing things to help other people. And we see that with adults, but we also see it with kids. So in the case of Ruby Kate, she was going to work with her mother who was working at this nursing home in Arkansas. And she noticed a woman who was looking rather sad, watching someone walk her pet away. So the, somebody had brought this dog to visit the lady that day in the nursing oh, home see, and yeah. she was going away. So Ruby Kate asked this woman, why do you look so sad? And the woman explained that she she wanted um, to have her dog come to visit more, but she didn't have anybody, she didn't have the money to pay for somebody to bring this dog to her. So Ruby Kate took this idea and, and talked to her mom about it, and her mom explained that people in nursing homes don't have a lot of extra cash. They get $40 a week yep. to buy some extras, and once that's gone, they don't have anything else. So she took it upon herself to go around to everyone in the nursing home and ask for their three wishes. If you could have anything, what would you oh, want? Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. So she came up with a wish list. Then now she had this wish list and she wanted to do something about it. So her mother and she came up with, they had seen other GoFundMes in the news. So that's when they contacted you guys. They didn't contact us out of the gate. They set up their own campaign. So we try to make our platform very easy to use. Yeah. So... They would have set up their campaign to the extent there were any questions. One of our happiness agents would have been online responding to their questions. And we help them find compelling pictures or videos, things that will help the donor understand what it is that they're doing, not just what's written in the yeah, story. Crafting, crafting the story. Right, that's but make going, it compelling, yeah. right? And so, huh. so they got their campaign up and running and we became aware of the campaign because it raised a lot of money very quickly in their small 
uh, town that they live in. Like what's quickly? Like so days, weeks, months? This was within a couple of days. We will also see the amount of we, – we're always looking at the amount of donors the campaign is getting, the the – speed in which they're getting those things. These are things that... So you can make some mid-course... You can recommend mid-course adjustments to the campaign organizer in order to optimize what they're going to... We, we yeah. can. We can also um, help you optimize your campaign. We can actually help you publicize your campaign yeah. and reach out to our own media contacts and say in her local uh, network, hey, there's a young lady in your neighborhood you local TV station should do an article. Wow, so go fund me. So we can amplify. You're like a full service so, <laughs> organization, right? <laughs> we can we do amplify campaigns and we we did in this case. And working so we amplify the campaign. She continues to get additional donations. This was around Thanksgiving when she set it up. She raised two hundred and fifty thousand dollars within a few weeks and then it was far beyond her ask. So she like I said, has continued to update her campaign. It's something we encourage our campaign organizers to do is add updates. Let people know what you're doing with their contributions. Yeah. You know, you've, you've already satisfied your initial wish list, so now you're going to go and everybody gets a haircut. So let me ask one last question mm -hmm. before we go to break, and that is, it, so with all these services that GoFundMe provides and surrounds campaign organizers, how does GoFundMe make money? We uh, moved to a voluntary tipping model about a year ago, and we have expanded that now globally. So the company used to take a percentage, a platform yeah. percentage. Yeah. Now the use of the platform is free, and so we make the the tips through the voluntary nature of our donors, leaving wow. them after they've made after they've made their donation. They leave the tips to. To thank us for our and as a resources. general premise, they, they are forthcoming. Is that fair they, to say? They, they are forthcoming in in tipping the company. Yes, quite very generous. That's great. It is. I want to ask him. Um, you made mention in the first half hour two acquisitions that the company has made. One was uh, CrowdRise, and the other one was you caring. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. So so. Just briefly, in the way, really in the service of trying to better understand what the full business model of GoFundMe is, maybe start, what, what is CrowdRise? What does that do, or what did it bring to the mix that GoFundMe didn't already have? So CrowdRise is actually an entirely separate platform. So what it allowed us to do was bring social fundraising, if you will, to traditional nonprofits through an enterprise solution. Mm -hmm. So think of it like any other... SaaS platform that a, a company buys and gets a subscription to use. This is a platform where the users, these nonprofit charities, m mid and large charities will sign up, use this platform to run all of their charity events, usually um, through ticketing and fundraising and anything they're doing to try to bring in money for their cause, rather than doing it the traditional way of selling paper tickets or having a pancake oh, I see. or something okay, like yeah. that. So it's it's um the the gentleman there's an so the two founders sit on our board and so does oh, CrowdRise, yeah. The, no, the two founders of GoFundMe oh, still I see. sit yeah, on the GoFundMe yeah. board. Uh -huh. And one of the founders of CrowdRise also sits on our board. So these um everything that they cared about and believed in is still sprinkled through the the mission of the company. And through that gentleman in this platform, he's helped us understand the, the nonprofit fundraising space, which is it's much more complicated than may appear, right? The, the Just because of the regulatory um, environment that the nonprofits operate in? Yes, but also because a, a small nonprofit, a, a mom and pop small nonprofit may not have the sophistication to understand nobody internally who can help them understand how to even use the platform, whereas the... The really large oh, nonprofits, I get it. They, they also they think they want the solution you have, but they're also going to be challenged at some level by the technology and such because it's, it, it's always changing and gives them um, a lot more opportunity to fundraise in a way that they've never thought through before. Be because GoFundMe, you guys bring this huge amount of infrastructure support yes. to those kinds of endeavors. Yes, and that, yeah. the, the CrowdRise platform is, is easier for every – new nonprofit we get on that, we can help them that it's, it's more configurable. We can help them really uh, manage their fundraising at a level that you can't do on the GoFundMe so, platform. So, so I'm going to 
just mm-hmm. a, just a tangential question. So is t- is voluntary gratuities tipping still the business model or the financial model when you're dealing with nonprofits like that? No. So no, it's the, different. It's a, it's a different business model. It's a subscription model. We okay. have the, yeah. the CrowdRise platform. We actually have three offerings. So we have the, the basic offering, the do-it-yourself fundraiser, yep. the, the mom and pop who want to use this platform. There is a platform fee associated with their use of the platform, a okay. 5% platform fee. Yep. And you always have the payment processing, the standard payment processing charges. Yeah. Then we have two levels of a subscription offering. And those levels get you different support and different configurability on the platform. Got so, it. do you happen to remember? So, 2017 was that when uh, CrowdRise came on board? That's correct. Do, do you recall how many employees came with the company as part of that process? I don't. Re- I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know we have our offices in Los Angeles and our offices in. Royal Oak, Michigan. As a result, as a result of, of that, that acquisition, yeah. and and those collectively make up, I want to say maybe seventy of the three hundred employees. Got it. And now shift to the other company, you you caring, you caring, yeah. You caring was just another uh, another peer to peer social fundraising platform that was focused more what, on. What does that mean, peer to peer? It's like um, if I want to donate money to to you, Kim. Yes. That's peer to peer. That's peer to peer fundraising. Okay. Yeah. Versus the uh, CrowdRise model is more. Uh, Peer to, to company, peer to charity, right? Got or a corporate sponsors yeah. a challenge on the CrowdRise yeah. platform. So peer to peer fundraising um, was what you caring did. It was just another way to expand our our presence in the space. I get it. Yeah. And they did things in similar fashion to the way GoFundMe runs it. So I want to come back to something you already touched on, and I, in the way of uh, kind of an anecdote, I think a year ago or so, I had one of the executives here from Reddit, which is a huge, um, it's kind of a community-based, any topic, any comment goes. And he was commenting on, you know, there's a whole, there's a group of uh, miscreants. There's a group of bad, bad actors out there. Anytime you deal with the public, you have this, this thing about dealing with people who, whose perspective on what's appropriate and what's not is, is frankly, is just whacked out. <laughs> so, so you guys, GoFundMe is dealing, it's a very public-facing organization, and you've got people who are doing, you know, weird-ass things. They want to bring something onto the platform that, frankly, is just totally inappropriate. So over the course of time, I'm kind of inferring this, GoFundMe's had to set up policies and protocols for making sure that it's only the right stuff that belongs on the platform and not the bad stuff. Correct. So how much how much heat and light, I'm just curious, I mean, given the size and, and the activity levels of GoFundMe, how much heat and light does the company have to expend to make sure that it's, you know, all the all the campaigns and fundraising is, is good? I mean, well, you, it, you're, you're the legal counsel. People probably start with you, right? Uh, it, Yes and no. <laughs> I mean, we um so first and foremost, we have a really stellar trust and safety team. These guys are, And that's the group that's responsible for yeah. keeping the platform clean. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They along with our happiness agents. They they make the world go round at GoFundMe. Yeah. Um trust and safety has really developed standard operating procedures of how they're going to how they review campaigns that are put up on the site. We also have a report button. So for every campaign, if you believe that there's some sort of misuse occurring, oh, there's see. a report button. And if you report something, we immediately look into it. We get, we get reports that way. We get reports from uh, emails coming into the, to the company yeah, right, yeah. all over. Um, the thing I will say is that the incidents of fraud and misuse are extremely rare. Oh, so really? extremely yeah. rare. It's less than one-tenth of 1% oh, it's, of it's, all campaigns. It's a nominal issue. Yes. Got I mean, it. because when you think about it, um, social fundraising and the fact that you're going out to your uh, networks through whether it be Facebook or Twitter or, or something out, you're going out to the people in your social community, that in its of itself is sort of like, being in the town square, you're going out and you're putting yourself out there. So to the extent somebody within your ecosystem believes that your behavior is not on the up and up, they're going to be the first to call you out. So the it's first largely self-correct. It is. It yeah, is. That makes and, a lot of sense. And that's also why we try to encourage, like I've re- uh, mentioned a few other times, these 
repeated updates on your campaign so that people, uh, there's transparency, right? Our platform, we try to let the donor know where your money has gone, right? We tried yeah. to, if you look right now at our, the campaign we did on the government shutdown just through the direct impact fund, yeah. we're very clear that the, the money raised went to these four nonprofits, right? So and, very transparent yes. in a high sense of accountability. Yes. Oh, I yes. get it. And that, we will, we have a, a zero sense. tolerance policy. We will take you down. We will suspend you and you will not put up another GoFundMe. <laughs> so, and we, we do police it at yeah. a, at a really impressive level, given the number of campaigns that go up a day and the yeah. staff that we have. That's great. Yeah. Let me shift to you. Mm -hmm. So you're coming in, uh, you've been on board for seven months and you, it seems like you cross a lot of departmental lines. You cover a lot of waterfront given the activities of the company. And you also have a fairly high, de you have a high degree of experience. You've seen a lot of different situations at other companies. You've been doing this for a while. <laughs> and so here you are in a new company. Um, I guess the question is twofold. One is, how's it going so far? And the second question is, what do you lose sleep about at night? <laughs> where, where, do you, where, where are your biggest challenges or what speed bumps have you encountered? How's it going so far? I love it. Okay. I absolutely love it. I, I think it's it's just the management team is exceptional and getting to work every single day with other people who all they want to do is is good. They just want to spread empathy. They want to do the right thing. They want to help empower people to help other people. So when all your business, a lot of companies here in the Valley claim they're using technology for good, right? We are tech for good. It's It's all we do. So I, I'm well inspired yeah. Yeah. by our employees and the stories we get to report on. And I mean, if you're having a bad day, just go to GoFundMe Heroes or listen to, we have a new podcast called um, True Stories of Good People. Just listen to one of those and you'll be in tears and realize yeah. like the world is good. Yeah. Right. So it's a really inspiring, exciting place to work. So do you lose sleep at night then? Is everything just, <laughs> everything's just going swimmingly? Yes, I lose a lot of sleep actually. Uh, mostly because the, like you said, the, the learning curve, it's, it's a hockey stick. It's just straight up and it's constant because the industry, the platform, everything about the business is dynamic. And so you have to, to really think through. There is, everything is a case of first impression. Should we allow this sort of campaign on the site or you know what about uh this particular story that that was written are we okay with that or should we ask that the campaign organizer modify the the story so that it's more transparent to the user will we cause any harm to the uh to the user when they do that um so there's just a lot of cases of first impression that keep me awake at night and things that I've been in a good way thinking it. But Kim, this through. isn't, I mean, this is not a learning curve that's unique just to you. It sounds like it's a sort of business dynamic within the business that everyone who's confronting, who's involved in a campaign or involved in a new office or a new geography, they equally face a steep learning curve. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but so I, I mean, that's a good thing. It, it is. Yes. Keeps and, people and people are focused. very, it is. And, and the people, like I've said, they're, they're just so thoughtful. There may be a few of us sitting together wrestling whether or not we should modify one of our terms of service. And they're just, I learned so much from the people who have been there before and how they've looked at things and whether they did that correctly or incorrectly, how we can improve upon it. It's a really, it's just a, a really refreshing and uh, stimulating place. So for people just joining us, I'm talking with Kim Wilford who's general counsel and head of business development at GoFundMe, which is a social fundraising platform. And um, I guess, so I understand that there is a lot of learning on your part and everyone else's part because of the learning curve there. But what about, what, what is it that you bring to the table that they, that the company and the employees absorb from you? I mean, you've, you've got the skill set. You walk in, it's not like, geez, uh, point me in the right direction and tell me what right. to do. You're bringing something to the table. What is that from, from the way you think about it? So I think it's, it's the experience, right? It's, it's having been my prior, the prior role I had for 10 and a half years. That was also uh, a company in a growth state. It was venture backed. The industry was constantly changing and evolving that it operated in. So I think I bring a sense of calm to the chaos that 
sometimes people feel about this too shall pass right or or the, or that there there will be an answer i mean the thing with um, gofundme is our brand is so powerful right we get a number of press mentions a day and the press likes the positive but the press also likes to highlight the negative so i think there is a, a bit of um, angst sometimes with how are we going to handle this how are we going to respond to this and i think one of the things i bring is a sense of calm in over the two decades I've had of working in different other companies that we'll find the answer. We will find the way and we've done it before. Right. So So I I would put this in the category of pattern recognition. Yeah. You kind of seen this scenario before. Maybe you don't know the ending, but you have a pretty good sense or instinct about what direction it should go in to get to the goal line, to get to the solution. That's exactly right. I think that all the experience I have, in a highly regulated space before, in a constantly changing industry, yeah. all of that is applicable here. In a in a company as it's growing and doing that very quickly and trying to keep the systems and the processes in place, but also scaling them where where needed. So I think that's additional experience I I bring. So I'm, I'm going to jump to a conclusion here, and you can tell me if I'm off base. But the way you've described the company: 300 employees, dynamic. Different locations, different geographies, different business businesses within the business. It sounds unstructured, no, <laughs> and no business cards. I mean, that to me is interesting. It, um, how would you describe the culture of the company? I it's mean, quite structured. I, I will say it is structured, right? Or did so, I just capture it? Yeah. So back to the back to the the trust and safety team, the happiness. Everything we do is really they are all about process in terms of ensuring that. The users of the platform are all um, playing by the same rules and being required to comply with our processes and all of that. So there is certainly structure around that. I think it's unstructured in the sense that people you get to from in my case, and I think in many cases, when you're in a small company with a few people that's growing this quickly, you get to wear a lot of hats. And so it's exciting in that sense because there's such uh, there's so much opportunity for everyone to not only do their job, but also try their hat in this, to try to learn. And I think uh, they're all, in my experience to date, they they want to learn. They want to know how to do the right thing. They want to help out. I have a number of employees within the company reaching out as we operationalize our 501c3 more. They want to be part of it, right? How can they help in their volunteer spare time? You know, so... So from a cultural standpoint, and you're part of the leadership team, so... Part of your mission is to rein- reinforce the yeah. culture, and the culture is supportive of experimentation and change, and maybe even failure. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know how I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth. I huh? mean, no. I mean, we want to empower all of our employees to make a difference and is to see that that their contributions, what they do day to day, actually really matters. I mean, we do that through. Uh, the gives back program that we have. This is something that the founders started when they started the company that carries through today. We have Giving Tuesday every Tuesday. And these are campaigns chosen by the employees that the company then takes profits and dedicates the the profits to this group of campaigns that employees choose on a regular basis. So Mm -hmm. they can see their, their work actually making a difference in, in people's lives. And yes, we support, we definitely, it's a very forgiving, open, and kind culture. So we want you to try. And rather than fail, I would say that you learn most things when it doesn't go right, at least in my experience. Yeah. When it doesn't go right the first few times, you learn a lot. Those are the lessons. How much are you involved in the strategic vision of the company? Fortunately, um, I have a seat at the table now. I'm still learning, right? I'm still, I listen probably more now than I yeah. contribute because the business is much more interesting and complicated in some ways than I would have uh, than anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still, I'm still learning, but I, I have a voice. It's respected. I feel it valued. And yeah, I think it's, it's simply a great place to work. So as the company continues to grow, I assume that headcount growth is part of the future. Yep. <laughs> I mean, where, I, I guess the question is when you're talking about strategy, we only have about a few minutes left, but um, how, I assume the vision changes as the company realizes it's got traction, it's got a big footprint, both geographically and substantively. 
I, where, I guess the question is, where does the company see itself in some reasonable time horizon? Three years, five years? What, is it intergalactic domination you want to be? <laughs> do you want to be the crowd social fundraising platform of, I mean. We want to be the uh, trusted giving layer of the internet on a global basis. We want people to, there are, as you pointed out earlier, there are a number of other crowdfunding platforms, but there aren't any others that where social fundraising is their core business. And what we want to do is be the resource for to empower people to help other people and create change, to see more yeah. of what I talked about earlier, take these moments and, and change them into movements yeah. to uh, create positive, good experiences in the world. Right, so. so we've got about two minutes left okay. now for the, the, the big question, which is, I mean, you're the second seasoned executive we've had on the program this, this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question is, if, if there are people out there listening who are probably taking notes, you know, wondering <laughs> how can I be a successful executive? It, it, do you have a playbook or do you have some touch points or protocols in your own kind of personal um, comportment? that enable you to be successful in managing people and managing issues? How do, how do you, how would you characterize that? <laughs> well, I think it's <laughs> seconds. Right. Thank goodness. It's a long answer I've got. Um, I think a lot of it comes with maturity and experience, right? And I think for me, always looking for ways to contribute beyond what your job title was, because just being a lawyer, I didn't find to be fulfilling enough. So in every corporate experience I've had, I've had the good fortune of having someone internally be my champion. And when I didn't have that person any longer, moving on. And so I think you have to be your own champion. I think you also have to understand that your job, uh, the company's space, where, where it is, the external forces, all of these things are dynamic. And so you, you have to be resilient. You have to have grit. You have to believe in yourself and your skills and, and really um, always try to, to contribute. So quick question uh-huh. with just a few seconds. Do you go to – I mean, when you get stumped on a question, no instinct on how to whether to zig or to zag, do you have somebody you go to? Do you have a mentor or a coach? Yeah, I, I don't have a coach. I do have a few key people in my life that I go to. Yeah. Um, one of them, my dad. He's he's seen a lot and he he knows a lot. Um, although not much about the crowdfunding space. Um, and then I have a few outside attorney friends who have been mentors in my life that I look to. We are out of time. Okay. Kim, thanks. It's been thanks. great having you on board. People can go to learn more about the company where. At. Uh, www.gofundme.com and we are hiring so while the happiness agent job is tough to get go for it (laughs) thanks everybody for joining us uh you can you you can uh (laughs) we're airing every monday at 4 p.m pacific i'm doug Collum. you've been listening to bay area ventures on business radio sirius xm channel 132 for more insight from business radio please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu 